Great. Well, um, yeah, it is. Who's, man, who's glad they came to church this morning? How good was that worship? I don't know about you, but that was just, yeah, let's give them a hand, man. That was so good. I just, sometimes, you know, you're just in the presence of God, you just get lost and you can just, I don't know, you can take your eyes off what's happening right here and now and you can just get transported into, uh, into another place with God. It feels so good. And uh, man, I don't know about you, but I think worship's been one of the things that has kept me going in my faith over the years. Like, you know, it, uh, over probably one of the most things actually, as you worship God, you just get in his presence and something happens and God is good. But um, man, it's exciting to be here today and uh, everyone made it to church. Thank God there's no rain this morning and after last week. I'm trying to figure out what the perfect weather for church is because last week it was pouring and there were so many people here. And then a week ago it was cold and it was sunny and then it was, wasn't many people. And I'm like, okay, God, there's got to be like the right temperature and there's got to be the right, like the clouds have to be moving the right way or the, I don't know what it is. But anyway, you guys are here, we're here. And, uh, and my wife's at home with three sick kids. So uh, please keep her in your prayers. They are battling away, but, um, but they're doing good. So it's good to be here. And I just... It sounds a little bit, I'm sure you guys are about to work on that. Um, yeah, I'm excited to preach. And like Susie said, I'm a bit of a guest speaker in my own campus because I don't speak that much. But I kind of feel like someone said to me there's two types of pastors. There's leaders who have to teach and there's teachers who have to lead. And I'm certainly in the category of a leader that has to teach. So I'll give it my best, but you are my church, so you have no option but to listen to me. <laughs> And, uh, and that, but I'm definitely in that first category. But anyway, I just want to mention two things. So first of all, um, you guys here at the City Campus, you, you're amazing. Honestly, you are the best church. Give yourself a pat on the back. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are awesome. I just want to give a big shout out to all of you guys here at the City to, who make this place your home. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware at the moment, but in Church Unlimited as campuses, uh, there's a, this, this movement of Church Unlimited. You know, the city's getting looked to in terms of how to do community outreach, uh, how to get out there, how to break out of the mold, how to think outside the box um, because we move around so much and we've got to be creative. Um, but, you know, we've been booked up by Whangarei and Kaitaia campuses in the next few months to come up and help them kickstart outreach in their campus and uh, inspire them and just equip them and just encourage them after what happened down in Rotorua. So honestly, I'm so thrilled to be a part of this campus and the work that God is doing here. But it's all part of you guys doing what you do, turning up, praying, believing, getting out there. So thank you so much. And talking about doing things we heard this morning, but next Sunday, Cereal Sunday, man, we wanna kick off our food bank really well. So please bring a couple of boxes of cereals along. Um, yeah, something that isn't expired. Uh, so, you know, we picks. Cornflakes, ricees, cocoa pops, Nutri-Grain, or if you're old-fashioned, some rolled oats, whatever floats your boat. But please bring something along, and um, it'll be a good way to kick it off. Uh, also, yeah, so next weekend is our Good Neighbours initiative. Um, who's planning on actually being a good neighbour? There's five, six, cool, six hands. Maybe after this morning there'll be seven. So I just, like, I love this idea. And last time we ran this, we got into it, Katie and I, we baked some bickies, and we went over to our neighbor's house and we just dropped off some biscuits and it turned out they were dentists. <laughs> they were chocolate biscuits. <laughs> Here's some chocolate biscuits to a dentist. But anyway, it was good. And we had a great time. We just got to know them and it ended up with them just saying to us, oh man, we've, we've heard about your church. We'd love, to, 
we'd love to come along when we can get along sometime. And, and um, sometimes they work on the weekends. But it just, honestly, all it took was biscuits. Like, it's so easy. And another one of my neighbors, uh, you know, he helped me change the oil on my car recently. And um, I know you meant to do something for your neighbor, but anyway, I asked him to help me with my oil. And that's what guys do. They get doing an activity together. And we just got talking um, like Pastor Helen mentioned last weekend, just made conversation and just got to know one another. Um, and he ended up coming over last night to watch the All Blacks demolish France and the rugby. Who watched the All Blacks? Oh, man, yes. Those first 60 minutes, hey, but then, whoo, 20 minutes to go. But um, he came over and we just talked about football, actually, the whole night because he's German. But it was good. But all it takes, honestly, is a conversation. So... Um, yeah, get into good neighbors. So with that in mind, this morning I've titled my message, Loving God and Loving Others. So let's just pray as we go any further. Lord, we just pray this morning, God, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Father God, we don't want to just hear another message, God. We want to have a moment with you, Lord God, even if we've had a moment with you already in worship, God, Lord, even if we've had a moment with you during those amazing announcements. God, maybe we've had a moment with you, Lord, as we turned up this morning and someone just shook a hand or just welcomed us to church. But I pray during this message that, God, there'd be something you deposit in our spirits, Lord God. Father, give us ears to hear what you wanna say to us, Lord God. Lord, not the words of a man, but Father, the words from heaven that can change the course of our life, that can change the direction we're going. Lord, I pray, Lord God, Lord, let heaven speak and let our ears be open to hear what you're saying to us and give us hearts to receive. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Well, just before I share, I actually just wrote something down in worship. And uh, man, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this. Neil, our drummer, the drummer, is he here? He's here, eh? Neil, yes. Man, Neil, as we were singing, look, honestly, I just felt God just say to me, uh, we sang that song, um, I Am Chosen, I'm a lot of stuff, and I just, that word stuck out to me, and I just really felt God say, you know, God's chosen you, um, he's chosen you to really care for people, I even saw you actually pastoring people, uh, and I, feel, I saw you just taking faithful, whether that's a calling or just a, a thing that's in your heart, but I just saw you taking really faithful steps, but they were, there's that scripture that sets the, um, the, the faithful steps of a, a godly man are ordered by the Lord, and I just saw you taking these steps and God just ordering your steps. It was almost like there was a, a pathway of stepping stones to an area that you, were, that you were going to. And maybe God's spoken about that destination or that place or that feeling of that was what you were really called to do. But it was like the stepping stone. Uh, and you just took one faithful step after the other. And, uh, and I just felt the phrase, you know, there's much more ahead uh, for you. So just felt to share that with you and uh, take it for what it is. But yeah, just God wants to speak to you this morning and, uh, and that. So we are all chosen and all called uh, to do amazing things by God, but just really felt that word for you this morning. Neil, cool. Um, I want to look at one of the most well-known parables in the Bible, and that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you've got your Bibles, um, open your Bible to Luke, 25, uh, Luke 10, verse 25, 37. And uh, we're going to read through the parable of the Good Samaritan. So we're just going to go through that whole, right, whole thing right now. She's from verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, 
And who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to that place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the man who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I love the way that Jesus finishes his parables. He always finishes with some sort of action point, with some sort of meaning to the whole thing, and that is go and do something with what you've just heard. Go and put it into action. And the top layer of the story, when you read it just on the surface, it feels like a story about compassion on people that have been beaten up and hurt and neglected, and there's a lot of people like that in our world. But underneath that layer, there's this underlying message that Jesus has for each one of us, which I believe is... How do we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength? And secondly, if we really do love God, how do we take that love to others in need that need Jesus? And in other words, our love for other people is a great reflector of our true nature of our love for God. They're intrinsically linked. You can't be someone that loves God and yet have no concern for someone else in your world and around you. And at the same time, you can't just love people but not have that relationship with God if it's gonna be sustaining and ongoing. So firstly, let's look at loving God. And I've just got three points to keep it really, really simple. So the first one is loving God. The first way is to love his word, if we're gonna love God. And Jesus asked a great question of the expert and I don't know if we have any uh, suits, fans, Netflix, anyone in the house today? But there's this epic little exchange that goes on between uh, Jesus and this, uh, this lawyer. And he's got his lawyer methods and he's trying to test Jesus. And I love how Jesus used his own methods back on this lawyer just to test him and peel back the layers on his heart. Uh, and he answers his question with a question. And he says, you know, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do the scriptures say? And that's a great question to ask ourselves. What does the Bible say? In fact, how much of the Bible do we actually read? And how much of the Bible do we know? Or how much of it have we got memorized? But more than that, what does it say? You know, when we're living this life which is gonna be pleasing to God and we're hungry for God, we need to know what the Word of God says. And I know a lot of people that say, you know, today's generation is is biblically illiterate. um, and, And they're probably right. But, you know, it's on us to actually get a hunger for the Word of God. And, you know, loving God means loving His Word. It's about embracing it into the DNA of who we are and putting it as a cornerstone of our life. So to illustrate this, I just want to use a little story about uh, Winston Peters. So Winston Peters is now, for better or for worse, the now acting Prime Minister of New Zealand. Is anyone else worried? Just slightly or a little bit. He's been in politics for 37 years Um, He's something like 73 years old. Um, Man, that guy deserves a medal. 73 years old, he's still in politics. Um, And it's widely known that Winston has always pushed for the care of the elderly uh, and for the very young. 
And in 1996, he made a concrete establishment for all free GP and doctor visits for children, and it was written into the DNA of healthcare of children in New Zealand. And so with four children, I'm very, very grateful for Winston Peters and his move <laughs> to have free healthcare for children, otherwise I'd be so broke. Thanks, Winnie. But like the policy, or whether you not you like Winston Peters or not, knowing the Word of God is a little bit like that policy that went into place. It's got to be embedded in who we are as a Christian. You know, that has to be something that's just a bedrock of who we are. So when it comes to the Word of God, we've got to be people that, you know, we're drawing on the Word of God. We're meditating on it. We're absorbing it. We're memorizing it. Uh, you know, it just needs to be in our hearts so that when it comes to ask and someone asks you the question, what does it mean to inherit eternal life? How do I find Jesus? How do I get free of this addiction? How do I, how do I help? Where is God in my marriage? How do I find answers to these questions? We already have the answer through the word of God and we can lead people to those things. And sometimes we have to get really, honestly, really practical with this. It means actually finding time, like turning your phone off, turning the TV off. Um, you know, sometimes my bad is actually just, I read a lot of books and sometimes I read too many of just other books and that, and you know, I actually have to put those books down and pick up the Word of God. But seriously, church, we need to do whatever it takes to get into a love affair with the Word of God and with the Bible, because if that is in our heart, we're going to be people that are life-giving. You know, you know, the devil's happy with you turning up to church every week, actually, and just coming and going. But if you're reading the Word of God and you're getting it established in your life and it becomes something that flows out of you, that's the sort of thing that scares him. And, uh, you know, we've got to be people that carry that in our hearts. So number one is loving the Word of God. Number two is just loving His presence. And, you know, this morning we sat in this place where we stood and we worshiped God. And I don't know about you, but when you spend time in God's presence, there's just the sense of God's goodness and mercy just coming on your life. And you can just enter into a place where whatever you're facing gets removed, the mountains you're going through, the situations, God just comes in and He, I don't know, He gives you that perspective you need. And uh, I find it really interesting in the story of the Good Samaritan that the expert, the expert, the one who knows all the rules is in there asking a carpenter or the so-called carpenter from Nazarene about how to inherit eternal life. There's something in that little picture right there that this person that's probably gone through law school and Bible college and, and, uh, and got a PhD and got something else. What's above a PhD? I don't even know what's above a PhD. But he's got all these qualifications and he's, he's a professor and he's standing there and he's the expert and yet he's, he's around Jesus. He just needs, he knows that Jesus has something that he doesn't have. And he's trying to get something here. He's going, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? There's something about this Jesus. And Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, by the way, if you've got a master's or a degree or a PhD, you're awesome, just saying. But Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, which shows he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There's that word heart with all your heart. You know, something in us longs for this, this God, this Jesus. And I wonder sometimes when we get to heaven on the other side, we have this eternal perspective, whether we look back and we wonder, man, I wasted a lot of my time doing the things that didn't really have eternal value. I did a lot of things that maybe just were so trivial and instead I, spent, I should have spent more of my time seeking God and spending time with Him uh, and that. And it's interesting that after the parable of the Good Samaritan, there's the story about Mary and Martha. 
And you know that story, Mary and Martha, they're there waiting on Jesus, and Martha's just going crazy, trying to get everything ready, getting the house organized, cooking all this food, and Mary's just doing the one thing that was needed, and that was just spending time at Jesus' feet. And, uh, and, and we can get so busy in our lives, but the essential part of the story is we've got to spend time with Jesus. We've got to get into his presence. And you know, this can be as simple as getting to a prayer meeting, Honestly. This, it can be that easy. There's a prayer meeting here every Sunday at 9.30 at our West Campus at 6 p.m., but that's just one way. You know, Maybe it's actually just getting together with another colleague at work that's a Christian and just praying together once a week at lunch and just spending time in God's presence in your work area or getting together with other students during the week and just praying together. Or if there's sin entangling your life, maybe it's just asking God for forgiveness, repenting and turning to Jesus, asking for forgiveness but, you know, we need to live this life being in his presence. And, you know, the one thing I find is that often when there's an issue in someone's life that's a follower of Jesus, the first thing we tend to sometimes do is actually flee in the other direction of God. You know, look at Jonah. You know, the first thing he did when he was confronted with what he had to do is he just, he just bolted. He ran. He ran for the ship, and he ended up down in the belly of a whale. And God is patient. God is kind. He's a good, good father, and he's wanting us, he's wanting us to draw closer to him. So I just encourage you, you know, if you're facing stuff or if you're entangled in things in your life, don't run away from the presence of God. Don't run away from him. Actually run into him. Run into his love, run into his mercy. It's the safest place you can be. It's the best place you can be. Thirdly, if we're gonna love God, we need to love his bride. We need to love the church. And Jesus, you know, he loved people. He was all about people, and his people would be the one that started the church. And you know, he was often found in the synagogue, but I love the way that Jesus talks about the bride, about his church. And uh, you know, 11 and a half years ago, I, uh, I married the woman of my dreams, <clears throat> and I remember the day that we got married. You know, I remember the moment that Katie appeared walking in um, to the church. She was dressed in this beautiful dress. Her makeup was all done. Oh, there was like the hair was, was all, um, there was this, the hair was done. <laughs> the eyelashes were curled. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the perfume, oh man, it smelled good. There was this necklace, there was these high heel shoes that made her look like half a foot taller. Um, there was, oh, she was like a vision, man. It was, um, it was, you know, God has an angel descended into this place. And man, you know, I, lo- I love, I love, I love that woman. But you know, before she got to the altar, before she looked stunning and amazing, um, there was a few real ugly days as well before that. Some real ugly, I actually don't even hear, I can say what I want. Uh, well, not, not ugly, but you know what I mean. Like, like there was bad hair days, there was terrible, uh, there was some crazy emotions leading up to the wedding. Some stressful, long talks, some really boring issues to solve. What, what are we gonna do for chair covers at the wedding? What uh, flowers are we going to have at the wedding? Um, where are the family? Oh, actually, that was an important one. Where's the family going to be seated? There was so many details around um, what we're actually going to do. You know, uh, man, there was, there was bad attitudes from both sides. There was stinky breath. There was moaning about the costs of a wedding. Oh, man. There was messy, messy moments before we actually got to the wedding day. But, you know, I'd obviously through it all, I chose to love her, and I got through it, and we, and we got to the wedding, and it was awesome. The Bible teaches us that the level of devotion to Jesus is reflected in our devotion to his bride, the church. 
Jesus doesn't want us to just turn up at the wedding feast and say, oh, I've arrived, I'm ready for the feast, here I am. Now imagine if I had, uh, imagine if I had done that to, actually don't imagine, has anyone seen Married at First Sight? Man, just warning, don't watch that program. But if you did watch that program, <laughs> I'm just making a comparison. That would be what it was like if you, you know, you love God, you love Jesus, and you just, you never really cared about his church. You actually just turned out one day waiting to say, God, here I am. It would be like watching Married at First Sight, honestly, that you just turned up on the day, you married the first thing that was presented to you, and uh, what a disaster that would be like. But you know, the sad truth is, is that that's actually what I feel like sometimes a lot of Christians are like. You know, we go through this life with this, I love God approach, but you know, I've got my reservations about the church. I've got my concerns about it. You know, I'll take my time. I'll stay my distance, you know. And the book of Jeremiah 17, 7, 8 says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and those who hope in the Lord, for he shall be planted And he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the rivers and will not fear when the heat comes, but his leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. You know, when you're planted, when you're planted, you can develop this root system that takes in the water, takes in the nutrients, takes in the spiritual nourishments that you need. And you know, many Christians today are trying to get their nourishment from all sorts of places, whether it's YouTube or a Christian podcast or, or non-Christian podcast, you know, and a lot of that teaching, you know, it's not connected to your spiritual roots. It's not connected to who you are and a part of your growth. It's like getting a spiritual syringe and drawing it out and just squirting it over at the plant. You know, it might have this like two-minute effect, but it's not going to affect the way that you actually grow and uh, it's not tied to your spiritual roots. You know, roots take time to establish And same with being planted in a local church. It takes time, but ultimately, it's the best place for nourishment. It's the best place if you want to grow healthy. And, uh, you know, you need to get planted. Deep roots also have the ability to stabilize us in our spiritual walks. You know, when we go through the trials and the hardships and the storms and the heat and drought of life, when we're planted, God can see us through those seasons when we're surrounded by people and we're connected into the root system and into Him. And also, you know, God says in that, in that same scripture in Jeremiah that you can be, uh, you can actually be, uh, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. In other words, you can be fruitful even when it's trials, even when there's something going on. There can be fruit coming through in your life. And, uh, you know, the norm or the trend in churches today in New Zealand is people are going to church less. But can I encourage you, don't let yourself fall into that trap. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as in the manner of some are doing, but exhorting one another as so much more as the day approaches. You know, I don't know about you, but every time I'm in church, and not just because I pastor church, when I didn't pastor, when we were just turning up as a family, every time I came, I was encouraged. Every time I came, I was blessed just being in the worship or hearing from God. There's something about being planted in God. And, uh, and, you know, and those that you know, move from church to church, it's like taking a plant and just taking it out and checking the roots and then putting it in another pot plant and then taking it out again and putting it in another pot plant and that. And ultimately, you just end up with a tree that ends up never growing to what it could be. And sometimes you end up with sour fruit as well, just saying. So I encourage you, you know, get planted. Cool, so loving God is loving his word, loving his presence and loving his church. But then there's a second part and that is loving others, loving your neighbor as yourself. Is everyone okay this morning? 
Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, you are my neighbor. You, you, are all, you are all somebody's neighbor. No matter where you live, unless you live in the middle of nowhere on a farm, you are somebody's neighbor. And uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 15 says, our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that when you preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, so that we can preach the gospels in the region beyond you. And, uh, you know, this verse teaches us that we need, each one of us needs to preach the gospel. And you might be thinking, well, sorry, pastor, I'm not going to preach. But if we look at what happened in the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan preached the gospel. He didn't say many words, but his actions spoke so much louder than any message could have by what he did for that man. And, uh, you know, we're, as a church, we are moving from just turning up on Sundays and hearing a good message to actually going out beyond the four walls. We heard it last week about making conversation. God is raising up his church to get outside, to take the love of God wherever we are, whether it's in our workplace, in our families, and amongst our friends, to actually see his kingdom come in the lives around us and in our community. And so when Pastor Tuck was actually preaching on this verse a few weeks ago, um, this phrase just popped out into my mind around reaching other people. And that is the word preach. So we, it's going to come up in a second. When we preach the gospel the best way we know how, we can reach into the communities that are around us so that each and every one will have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what the Great Commission is all about. That is, that is what it means to be a good neighbor to the people around you. So number one, preach. And I love this bit. So we all get to preach the gospel. We all get to play a part in God's game in this. And, uh, you know, most of us are not going to have a microphone and get up and preach, although some of you might. But Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that everyone in the house can see. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, a friend was recently telling me about how he really came close to uh, a Muslim man at his work. And over the course of about a year, he got to know him and his family. And, uh, you know, they got really close and he welcomed them into his home. And they just did life together. They shared, you know, meals together. They cared for them uh, and they treated him really well. And uh, this guy knew he was a, he was a Christian. Um, and anyway, he didn't see him for about over a year. And about a year later, this guy turns, this Muslim man turns back up at his work. And the first thing he says to uh, his friend is he says, you know, I've become a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what you said about Jesus? It was all true. And uh, isn't that cool? That when people are sharing their lives, you can see by their actions, it's not necessarily the words they say, but just how they live, that people can see what you're actually about. They can see what God is doing. So we're called to preach the best way we know how. And I don't know what your best way is. And this is the fun part. We all get to discover this through discovering what giftings God has put in your life. So, you know, maybe for you, preaching the gospel, the best way you know how is uh, starting, something with, um, starting something with music. You know, you love doing music and you want to get together and actually just maybe teach people guitar or teach people how to play the keyboard or the drums. And that's your way of just connecting with other people. Or maybe your gifting is actually just having people in your home. You know, you love having people in your home and maybe God's been stirring you about actually just inviting 
you know, people that don't know God into your house and just doing life with them and connecting with them through that whole gift of hospitality. Or maybe you love skateboarding. Please, somebody start a skateboarding group. I know there's people that still skate in here, some adults as well. But maybe there's another gifting that God's put in your heart. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's actually just baking or doing sign language or doing something that, you know, you've been wired in a certain way. And this is the fun part. You get to use it to preach the gospel the best way you know how. And, uh, you know, that's the biggest part of us preaching is actually just using our gifts, doing what God's put in your hand to do what you can. And, uh, you know, I, sometimes I feel like as Christians, we can actually lose our zeal a bit and reaching out to others. And I think if you trace it back a little bit, it often can be that we've actually just doing, we've stopped doing the things that we enjoy doing. You know, we've stopped doing the things that are our strong hand, the things we enjoy most. And when you're doing the things you enjoy most, God is happy about that. When you're doing the things that really energize you and enthuse you, and the things that get you up in the morning and get you praying for people, those are the things that are gonna bring you excitement and joy about those that are lost. And, uh, and that. So, you know, if you've lost a bit of zeal in this whole thing of reaching out to other people, find what you're passionate about. Just get into it and invite others into doing that. So firstly, we preach the gospel. But secondly, if we remove the P, that's to reach the lost. And Matthew 5, 43 says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that they may be children in your father's, and children of your father in heaven. You know, it's one thing to preach to others through our giftings, but to reach people for God, we must be a people of prayer. And, uh, you know, in my family, my oldest brother gave his life to Jesus about 20 years ago through the faithful prayers of my mother. And then two years ago, my oldest, my, my oldest brother gave his life to God through many prayers from myself and my other family members. And just recently, in the last few months, my oldest sister, who's not a follower of God, shared with me on the phone that she's begun praying to God uh, every morning with her business partner, mostly for her business to get really, really rich. But God started speaking to her. Honestly, God will use anything. And her business, believe it or not, is booming. God is just doing something in their lives. And she's gonna be a multimillionaire, I know. Um, But I have another sister as well and her husband, and we're praying for them. And I know they're not close to God at the moment and on Katie's side as well. But I tell you that's encouraging. You know, sometimes it just starts with being faithful in prayer and just crying out for your family. And, you know, I don't know about you, but who's got unsafe family members that they'd love to see come to God? And sometimes, you know, that's the best place to start is God, I wanna see them, not in 10 or 20 years. I wanna see them this year come to know you in a real way. And uh, we need to just pray, pray, pray. Um, and, that, and your prayers will make a difference. Sometimes it's just writing their names on the fridge and, uh, and, that, and, you know, I try and live my life as a witness to them, but I know praying for them can actually be the key in making all the difference. And sometimes when we, you know, we use our giftings to reach other people, prayer is actually the real make or break in what's actually going to change their heart and be open to God. And your love and kindness through what you do for them, that'll do a lot of good, and that'll show them the love of God. But it's your prayers that'll actually turn their heart to Jesus and open their eyes you know, the Bible says that, you know, the devil's blinded people's eyes to not see. But when we pray, God opens people's eyes. When we pray, people's hearts are softened to the word of God. When we pray, all the stony ground in people's lives starts to get uh, filtered and shifted away. When we pray, it comes back to really praying uh, and believing. And this is, the, this is the supernatural element of God. 
stepping in on our behalf and doing something and uh, the miracle moment and the power of God coming in. So we're at the end of the service. We're actually going to pray for some of our family members this morning. But church, we've got to turn the tide in this nation. We've got to see family and friends and schools and universities come back to God in a new way. And it takes prayer. And can I encourage you, you know, in a few weeks, we've got a half night of prayer um, here in the city at AUT on the 22nd of June on a Friday night. So, you know, if you don't have anything planned, get along to it. Just use that as an excuse to kickstart your prayers for those that are around you. So we preach the gospel the best way we know how to reach those around us through prayer. And lastly, that is so that each and every one has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Good Samaritan, wasn't he good? He was so good. He used his own time and his own resources and he healed the man's wound with his own medicines. He loaded him onto his own camel and he took him to a place of recovery and he paid the money for the man's restoration. When you look at this story, man, it was not convenient. It was not, it certainly wasn't cheap. But there was one thing that stood out. When he preached the gospel the best way he knew how and reached out to this man, he made sure that this young guy who was beaten and bruised knew that somebody loved him. He did all of this so that this young guy would witness that there is a God in heaven who loves him, that even though he had been left for dead, there was a God that was interested in his life. And that is exactly what Jesus did for you and I. That is what happened when we were walking our own path, when we were walking away from God, when we were doing our own things wrapped up in our own world, God left his own glory and stepped down onto earth to die for you and I, to pay the price for our sins. He paid it all. He took on the form of a baby. He came, he died on the cross. He carried his cross. He did it all so that you and I could be brought into relationship with him. And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what you and I are now called to do to those around us. You know, we can't save anybody. That's through the power of God. But we've been given these gifts, we've been given these talents, and we've been given the motivation by Jesus to go out and reach those people in our world. And, uh, you know, there were so many excuses in the story. Like, you look at the Levites and you look at the priest. Man, they, they probably had a number of reasons to walk past the man that was beaten up and on the road. You know, maybe it just wasn't convenient, or maybe it just didn't fit in with their... Uh, Google Calendar, or maybe they had other things on, or maybe they were late for the rugby, or maybe, I don't know, there would have been excuses, I'm sure, or maybe they just didn't feel safe themselves walking along the road, but there's so many reasons we can come up with, but the Samaritan, the enemy of this guy on the road, he was the one that ignored all of those excuses and did something with it, and uh, you know, I feel sometimes like, I think in this story, sometimes God is actually trying to show us that the very people that have actually been the ones we thought were the, the thorn in our flesh or the, the, or the nuisance or the things that are causing us a lot of grief can often be the ramp into which we actually are gonna see people transformed and changed. They're often the ones that God is first calling us out to as the people that have been marginalized, those that have been treated badly at work, those that have had a bad rap from their boss, those that have failed their exams and are feeling miserable or those that are just going through things and no one knows about it and they just don't know who to share it with. Those are the people that often God is saying, go to them. Go to the person that's been beaten up and bruised. Start with them. And uh, they're the ones that God wants to use to find faith and hope in him. And uh, just First Timothy 2.1 says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, 
for kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, that man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And you know, just as I come to finish off this message, this is the goal. Jesus' desire is for all men and all women and all children to come to know him. And it starts with us. It starts with us. It starts with you and I. You know, and maybe out of those two areas, you've got to figure out, you know, which is the area that God's really speaking to you about? Maybe it's just loving God, getting a love for his word. You know, maybe you're just, you're someone of compassion. You love people without being asked. And it's the love for God that you're struggling with, a love for just getting into his word and getting a passion for that. Or maybe just actually, you know, getting into his presence and spending time with him in prayer. Or thirdly, maybe it's church. You know, maybe you've been you know, imming and ahhing about church. Maybe you've, you know, had a bad experience at church. I don't know, all those things. But maybe that's the area you just, you know, man, God, I need a miracle here. I need to actually, I need to do something about this. Or maybe it's with other people. You know, God's called you to use your gifts and do something with it. And you know that you need to put them into action and pray for your friends and family so that those around you will be reached. And uh, I love how Jesus finished off this parable. Go and do Likewise. Go and do something with what you've just heard. And that is what my hope is, and I know that's what God's hope is for all of us in this room today, is to leave this place actually thinking, okay, God, I don't wanna come back next week and go, go and do. I wanna come back next week and say, I went and I did. I actually did something with it. That person that you were calling me to go and do something about it, I went and did something about it. So church, why don't we stand this morning, and I'm just gonna ask the worship team just to come. And, uh, and as they come, we're just gonna spend a bit of time just reaching out to God and just worshiping Him. And then we're gonna pray. Pray that we get a heart for God, for more of His Word and His church and His presence. And then we're gonna pray for one another and pray for those that are unsaved and our friends and family.